0: If you have a Bible this morning, you'll find our text in the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. It's a joy to be back here this morning. How many of you have already made plans you're not going to be here tonight? <laughs> well, preacher, we're going to have a good crowd tonight. Nobody raise a hand. Surely you ain't going to lie to me right here in God's house with your church clothes on. All of you said you'd be here tonight. I'm going to look for you. I'm going to send God after you. Your choice. It's good to be back here again these days. And uh, we're hoping God would uh, do something in our hearts that would uh, help us to get closer to Him. I'm glad I got a champion, don't you? Our God wins all battles before He fights them. I tell you, if I knowed I could whoop you before we started, i'd say, Bring it on, huh oh yes he he fights no battles unless he can win them. I'm glad of that, aren't you? It is in our heart in these days to look at the first two chapters of the book of Philippians. uh God has made this book big to me of recent days. I am extremely interested in the text. It is important. Uh, But I am extremely interested in where it was written. Uh, Philippians was written from a Mamrean prison in Rome. You say, well, what's the big deal about a Mamrean prison? Oh, it's a big deal. It was a Roman sewer. Paul is writing from a sewer, writing these words. Uh, they usually would keep 40 prisoners in this sewer. When they were done with them, they would just flush. And that would be the end of them. And uh, you've heard people say, my, that's a pits." Well, certainly Paul would have been very easily said, man, I'm in the pits. Pray for me but I see no pit statements in here. But It seems like to me the entire book seems like it's being written from a king's palace instead of a pit. And so I'd like to take these two chapters in these days and preach on the subject from a pit to a palace. Because I dare some to say we could write a book about pits in here this morning. Some of us are in situations, prisons, and there's no doorknobs on your side. You're not getting out unless God lets you out from the other side. It may be a physical pit. Your house falling apart. You're not getting out unless God lets you out. It may be a financial pit. It may be an emotional pit. It may be a marital pit. It may be an employment pit. It may be going through something with somebody else. And uh, if God is going to change it from a pit to a palace, I want us to see in these two chapters here, you and I are going to have to change our practice. I don't know about you, As we begin to look at the first 11 verses of chapter 1, I want to look at Paul's practice of passion. Paul's practice of passion. The little word passion has to do with one's emotions towards an object or one's enthusiasm about something. I tell you, you get in a pit this morning We can find out what excites you very quickly. If I was to have written this book, I would have committed at least one or two chapters to the rats, what size they were. Seeing as I don't even like mice, I don't even, if a mouse comes by here, I'm getting on the communion table. I can't imagine living with rats. Maybe a chapter or two committed to the smells. Don't you know they were horrendous depending on what the folks upstairs were eating. Are you listening to me? There's no mention of that. There's no whining like you and I do sucking our thumb. Y'all pray for me. I'm really having it bad. You just wouldn't imagine what I'm going through. no. But I am extremely interested in the practice of Paul's passion in this pit. As we begin in chapter 1 in verse number 1, I want to look first of all this morning at the perception of his passion. I want us to just pull the curtain back a little bit and just peekaboo into Paul's prison. Paul, what you doing in there? What you practicing down there in that sewer? Perceptive passion. I notice in verse number one, there is some perceptive titles. He says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. He uses this term, servants. He uses this term, saints, perceptive titles. He doesn't use his term, apostle. Well, that would have been a good term to have used in a sewer. I am the apostle Paul. There's no sense in me being down here. No. He uses the term, "dolos." doulos a bond servant, a bond slave, one who has no rights, one who owns no property, one who has no choices. If God has shut you up this morning in a prison, if you're saved, you are a slave to him. You have no rights. I day, I can't understand why this is happening to me. Why in the world is all coming my way? Slaves have no rights. They own no property. They can make no choices. They leave it all to the master. And the word indicates is not that this is being forced on me. Oh, no, 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 no. I am willingly submitting to this. Lord, I don't want no rights. I don't want to own anything. I don't want no choices. Hello. That'll take the thumb sucking out of you while you're in your little prison. Notice the little word, saints, set-apart ones, holy ones. These two terms gives God all the rights to do with you and I as he pleases. And we have no recourse to open our mouths. Are you listening to me this morning? We cannot say how come or why. You so, say, well, who does he think he is? Well, number one, he said he made you. Matter of fact, he said he handmade you. I don't know where the little little clipping is on you, but somewhere on you, you probably can't see it, there's a tag on you that says, handmade. Hello. Huh? Well, I tell you I don't like the way I look? Tell him about it. He's the one who made you look like that. Huh? Well, I tell you I don't like my body? Tell him. I'm sure he'll give you a response. It'll be probably awful quiet response, but he'll give you a response. Not only did he make you, he says he bought you. He says I paid the price for you. Hey, Have you ever been in a Walmart line, you've got something in your hands and you realize it is junk and you go ahead and buy it anyway? No. He bought you knowing full well you was junk when he was buying you. You were no benefit to him. What gives him the right for me to be a slave? He can put on me anything he wants to. Servant. Saint. Those are the titles that Paul uses here. My, wouldn't he, why wouldn't he come and say, man, I am an apostle. I ain't got no right being down here. Man, I ought to be up in the palace. Sounds like to me he's writing. It sounds like he's in a palace. Are you listening to me this morning? I'm talking about a perceptive title. But watch the text. Notice if you would with me in verse number two. How can you possibly be a saint? How can you possibly be a servant? How can you possibly submit to God and say, God, you you got all the right. You got all the choices. Whatever you want to put on me, that's all right. Paul said, grace be unto you and peace be from God our Father. Hey, you won't trip up one day and say, boy, I'll tell you, I've come to the place where God used to do whatever you want to with me. Oh, no. Not in your fuzzy-wuzziest feeling moment will you ever do that. It'll take the grace of God being channeled to you to be able to do that. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Paul said his grace, he that was rich for mine and your sake became poor that you and I through his poverty might be made rich. Why in the world do I want to be a slave? Because it makes me rich. Are you listening to me this morning? I love that. Don't you? He said, grace be unto you and peace. Peace there is the taking of two opposites and twisting them together until they become one. Why in the world do I want to be a slave with him? Because when I do, I become one with him. And God the Father, when he looks at me, doesn't see me anymore. He sees his son. Oh, gracious. Isn't that good? We ought to stop right there and have a smile break. I know we're not going to have a shout break down here in this part of North Carolina. Smile break. Huh? Are you listening to me this morning? Not only do I see there's perceptive titles, but I notice in verse number three, there is a perceptive what? Do what in a Roman sewer give thanks? The doctor told me I was eat up with cancer and I'm going to give thanks? My whole checkbook's falling apart and I'm going to give him thanks? Obama's fixing to send you their own Social Security a pink slip and I'm going to give thanks? Are you listening to me this morning? Paul's in a Roman sewer. Rats, biggest cats, smell horrendous. This is what he says. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. I notice it is a persistent thanks. The little word thanks here is our little word for grace, saying the blessing over the food. That's your daily need. Paul said the people that God has brought into his life, he says he gives thanks for them. Like he gives thanks for his daily food. He said, I just need them so bad. He said, I'm just constantly thanking God for them. I don't know about you. After being in the ministry and preaching now for 38 years... My list of people that I'm thankful for keeps growing because everything I've got from the Lincoln Town car out in the parking lot to my undergarments, God's people give it to me. And when I think of them, I just say, thanks be unto our God. I was a wondering this morning, not being nosy, God forbid I'd ever be nosy, how long is your thanks list God shuts you up. Got no doorknobs on your side. What in the world am I going to do? Why don't you just get your thanks list out? That's what Paul's done. Man, that was a big old rat went by here. Boy, what a smell. No, Thanks be unto our God. He begins to thank God for the people that have been such a blessing to him, uh, that have been such a help to him. Matter of fact, he says there, little word in verse three, remembrance, it means to call to mind. I wonder how many people this morning you could call to mind, just sitting right there by you, that you just couldn't do without them, just like your daily food. Man, you've just got. Have them, and when you begin to think of them, you just say, "Wow, thanks be unto God." When well, you say, so "What good's that gonna do while I'm in some pit?" Oh, hon you liable to get free and forget you're in there, huh? You might forget you're eat up with cancer. You might forget that person that you're going through the dark eye of the soul with. That it ain't dark in there. Somebody done turn the lights on in here. Are you listening to me this morning? There is a persistent thanks. It could turn that sail you're in into a cathedral of celebration. It could turn them chains that's got you all bound up. Those things could go to ringing and sound like chimes playing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Thanks be unto God. I tell you, it's better than... I tell you, all pray for me. You, you just really don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing. I tell you, it'd be better to get your thanks list out and persistently give thanks. I thought this was interesting in verse number four. It is a pleasurable thanks. He said, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. That little word joy is pleasurable cheerfulness. It's awful deep. I don't know if you can get it or not. The little word means with the chin up. Pits, prisons, horrible situations of sorrow have a way of bringing your chin down. The good Holy Ghost, when you begin to give thanks, he does this to you. I love that, don't you? Well, I like looking down. Well, keep doing it then. How's the rats where you're at? You can see them real good, can't you? Are you listening to me this morning? Oh, Paul. It is a pleasurable thing. You know, almost every one of Paul's books that he wrote, Romans chapter one, he says, with unceasing thanks for you. First Corinthians, he says, always thanking God for you. Ephesians, he's opening up with mercy and never stops. Thanking God for you. Colossians, he says, I'm always praying with thanks. First Thessalonians, always mentioned with thanks. Second Thessalonians, praying day and night with thanks. Philemon, making mention always in my prayer for you with thanks. He said, always with joy and thanksgiving. Paul's in a pit. But it seems like he's done got free. I tell you the truth. It looks like the he's in the king's palace. Are you listening to me? You know, I'm afraid by looking at some of you because you're giving me that look. I think you enjoy being in that pit. Huh? Pray that be more pits. I don't know about you. I want to get free in mine. I'm in two or three pits right now with some children. I ain't a liking it. I'm telling you I'm not like They're going through the dark hour of the soul. And I'm in there with them. And I'm a wanting to get free in there. I'm wanting to act like I'm in a king's palace. Are you listening to me this morning? Oh, I'm talking about the perceptive things. We as God's people this morning must give him thanks for, not in. Are you listening to me? We do not give him thanks for it, We give him thanks in it. There's a big difference. I'm not going to go to the doctor tomorrow. He tells me I'm eat up with cancer. Whoa, glory to God, I'm eat up with cancer. No, I'm not going to thank him for it, but he does expect me to give thanks in it. Spirit of thanksgiving in that situation. You'll say, what good will it do to me? You never can tell. This may happen to you. You may have your hands up in the air waving them, seeing things nobody else can see. Tears coming down your eyes. It's called worship. Oh, We as God's people must give him thanks not only for what he is doing but for what he has done. How many of you this morning, be honest with me, how many of you here this morning God's been good to you? Preacher, I believe it's 100%. Huh? Son, if God's been good to you, you ought to at least smile about it. Huh? I hear tell he repeats himself. Whatever he's done in the past, he'll do in the future. You say you don't know what I'm going through. He said if you'll give me time, I'll bring good out of it. I love that, don't you? Huh? He can take the most harmless situation and birth good out of it. Set us free in our prison. Hey, how about this? Not only do we need to thank him for what he is doing for us. Oh man, I don't have any problem having prayer meeting thanking God for what he's doing for me. When's the last time you thank God for what he's doing to you? Huh? Thank him, Lord. What you have done to me has driven me to you. Of course, you know, sometimes you you got to be thankful in different ways. Sometimes you got to be taught it. What? Sometimes God has to teach you how to be thankful. I might have told this story before and if I do, forgive me, I just want to hear it again. My granddaughter She's bigger now, but when she was about three, I was at her house eating one day. Beth wasn't with her. She had gone off with some other grandchildren, and her mother asked her to ask the blessing. She said, I ain't asking the blessing. (laughs) That's interesting. She said, you're going to ask the blessing. You're not going to eat here. She bowed her head, and she said, God is good. God is great. I ain't thankful for nothing. Amen. Amen. It's an interesting prayer. I ain't thankful for nothing. I continue to eat my food. I ventured out of the corner of my eye. She was on the end of her mother's hand. Her feet was touching the floor every now and then. I noticed a large wooden spoon in her mama's hand. I heard some of the god-awfulest screams come from that room I believe I have ever heard in all my life. But when she come back to the table, she could pray in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I thought God stopped all of heaven and came to the table when she prayed that second prayer. It wasn't no God is good, God is great. It was dear Jesus and she got busy with it. (laughs) It may be that you've got to see one of God's large wooden spoons at his shed and you come out of there, thanks be unto God. He has let me out of that shed. Are you listening to me this morning? It's just totally up to you. But thanks can either be caught or it can be taught. And he doesn't mind doing either one. There is the passion of perception here. But I notice also not only is there perceptive titles and perceptive thanks, but I notice in verses 5 and 6 there is perceptive thoughts. A lot of the reason why you and I are in our pits and our prisons, maybe they'd be physical, emotional, financial. I don't know what it is. We could start over here and write a book about them. If we're going to get free in them, it's awful deep. I don't know if you can get it or not. You couldn't have to change your thinking. If you think low down, you're going to be low down. If you set your affections on things above, you're going to get free. You're going to get free. Notice what Paul's thoughts are. I notice in verse number five their thoughts of fellowship. He said, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day and now, he begins to think upon the church at Philippi and their fellowship. What's that little word fellowship mean? The little word means an intimate. Partnership with God. I hope I don't have to take any out back and explain this to you. It's the little word for the relationship between a husband and a wife intimate partnership between you and God. Well, what have they gotten intimate about? He says about the gospel. You know, I notice most people at the Baptist church have got their thing and they lift up their thing. I tell you, I believe we ought to try to reach the kids. I tell you, I believe we need some good singing. Boy, I tell you what, I believe we need some good old time preaching. Preaching. Paul said he wasn't lifting up none of that. He said he's lifting up the gospel. He's lifting. See, this thing ain't about lifting up your little old idea. Well, I tell you, we better reach the youth of our day. God forbid. If he don't reach them, you won't. Huh? He said if I be lifted up, I'll do the drawing. Paul is... Thinking upon the, he said those folks down there at Philippi, they're gospel crazy. It's all about the gospel. They're pushing the gospel. Oh, I tell you what, if God's got you shut up in a pit and you can't get out, there's no doorknobs on your side. Go to pushing the gospel, huh? Go to talking about the gospel. There is thoughts of fellowship. But I notice in our text, don't miss this, there is thoughts of furtherance. Thoughts of furtherance. He says in verse number six, being confident of this very thing. Paul said, when I begin to think about my furtherance, he says, I begin to be confident. Know for sure. Watch, Paul, what do you know for sure? That he that hath begun a good work in you, Paul begins to think about God beginning a good work in him. Our dear choir director, song leader this morning, he says he remembered the day. What Paul's doing in his prison He's remembering the day. You know what day it was. You know the day he come riding into Damascus, and he was the chief of saints. Oh yeah, man, he was much straighter than y'all. If Paul would have come in here in his lost condition, you'd have made him chairman of the deacon board. The chief of saints. He said he was blameless. All 599 facets of the Jewish law he said he had kept. He said he was of the tribe of Benjamin, the son of his right hand. That's the way he was when he come riding into Damascus until he met Jesus. And then he realized he's the chief of sinners. See, if your testimony is this morning, I tell you, praise you, when God saved me, I was a good person. Make yourself a note. God ain't never saved you. God don't save good people. God ain't got no use for good people. God sends good people to hell. The only people God deals with is sinners, lost ones. And he gets them all from the same place off of the bottom. And once he gets you, you realize you were not a good person. You were a filthy, rotten sinner lost and on your way to hell, depraved. Are you listening to me this morning? He begins to think about that beginning work in his heart. You said, what good is that going to do? You might get free in your prisons, them chains, liable to go play an amazing grace on you. Huh? I notice in our text, he thinks you're being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun in working you will what? Perform it. Hey, I ain't got a Think about holding on. Some of you believe you can lose your salvation. You better hold on. Huh? I ain't got to hold on to nothing. He's going to perform it. Well, how long is he going to perform it? He says, until the day of Jesus Christ. I love that, don't you? He says, I'm going to take care of you until I come. See, it doesn't matter where Paul says it doesn't matter what he puts us what pits what prisons financial emotional whatever it's going to be he says I'll take care of you in the middle of it until the day of Jesus Christ oh I love that don't you I close with this thought I would remind you it is 8 minutes to 12 I like to close I like to do it several times You know how preachers do. And finally, I like to close. One of the reasons why I like to do it, I love that first time I just said in closing. Some of you smile for the first time. And man, you were looking for your books, man. This guy's going to shut up. We can get out of here. I assure you, this is the first closing. There will be one other to follow. I notice not only the practice, we're looking in the prison now. He says, Paul, what are you doing in there? What's your practice? Practice of passion. Preacher, Paul, what, is, what gets you excited in there? He's passionate about his titles. He's passionate about his thanks. He's passionate about his thoughts. Hey, what's getting you excited in that little old prison you're in this morning? Some of you are leaving. It ain't even 12 yet. Gracious, give me five more minutes anyway. Uh, Just passionate about it. What gets you excited about it? I notice for Paul, there is the prayer of passion. Paul begins to pray. Verse number nine, he says, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more, knowledge and in all judgment. Paul begins to pray. Of course, you know, when we're in a pit, Our prayer, oh, y'all pray for my gallbladder that I get out of this situation. I tell you, it's really hurting. Paul don't pray about anything about his situation. He begins to pray for abundance. Abundant love for Christ. He said, Lord, increase my love for you Are you going through a pit with someone? They're going through the dark hour of the soul. Why don't you, instead of praying that God would get them out of that, why don't you say, Lord, build their love, increase their love for you while they're in that pit. You say, well, what good would that do? He says that your love may abound yet more and more and in knowledge The more you love him, the more you'll know him. The more you know him, the more you'll want to love him. And the more you love him, the more you'll want to know about him. It's a vicious cycle. Oh, the abundance of it. But I notice in verse number nine, more in knowledge and in all judgment. The little word there is discernment. Being able to make the right decision of whether to go left or right or stand still or go straight. Oh, most people that I know, the two or three little pits we're in, they need to make major decisions immediately. Oh, Lord increase their love for you. It is going to increase their knowledge for you and it's going to cause them to make right decisions. It's going to give them discernment. How would you answer this biblical question? If you know the truth, the truth shall what? Preacher, I believe that's the first time I've heard anybody give the right biblical answer. Do you know most people translate that, set you free? He ain't interested in setting you free. He ain't interested in getting you out of your prison. He's interested in making you free in it. it, What good will that do? He gets all the glory. Are you listening? Man, I want out of this thing. God ain't interested in getting you out of there. He's interested in making you free in it. Paul is praying for that freedom in that prison. Prayer of abundance. But I notice in verse number 10, there's a prayer for approval. He said that ye may approve things that are excellent. That little word approve there is an interesting word. It means to examine, test. It is our little word that we use for testing the worth of gold. Do you know why you're in that situation that you're in? The devil's testing your genuineness. That's what he told Peter. He said, Peter, the devil's desired to sift you, wants to throw you up in the winds of adversity and see if you're real or not. God was the one that instigated that. You remember with Job, he said, Satan, have you you checked out my boy Job? Throw him up in the winds of adversity. See if he's real or not. Paul's prayer for himself and the church at Philippi is that they may be approved, that they may be excellent. That little word excellent means to show clearly the difference between, boy, when I've gone up in the winds of adversity and I come back down, make it clear to the world. That old boy right there has got the real deal. He's got Jesus living inside of him. It's clear. Are you listening to me this morning? There is the prayer for approval. The second close and the last close. finally. Finally, finally, there is a prayer for alignment. Paul says in verse number 10 that you may be sincere and without offense. That little word sincere has caught my eye. The little word means sun tested. What? Sun tested. Oftentimes people, when they would make pottery, it had cracks in it. They put it way in the back of the tent so nobody couldn't see it, the cracks. But the real pottery expert would bring the pot outside the tent and hold it up to the light and sun test it for cracks. In that pit this morning that you're in, God's Holding you up to the S O N, seeing if there's any cracks in you. Hey, have you found some cracks this morning? Yeah, my thankful crack needs putty. Huh? My prayer crack needs putty. In. My whining crack needs to be putty. My thumb sucking putty needs to be putty. Huh? Sun-tested. He he says here in our text that you should be without offense. That little word without offense there is without wax. Oh, I don't want to putty over them. Oh, no. I want God to put the cracks together, heal them, and make them look like they've never been any cracks there. He says in verse number 11, "...being filled with the fruits of righteousness." Christ is our righteousness, being filled with him, having a sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ, having a conscience, Paul said, void of offense. See, your conscience this morning is the black box. What? Black box. It gets all caked up. Ain't no telling what kind of flying you're going to do. You remember the old boy several years ago they were landing in Spain. Their black box was an English speaking black box and it kept telling them pull up, pull up, pull up. You can hear it on the recording that Spanish pilot he cut it off and as he was cutting it off he said shut up gringo. The next sound you hear is that big 757 hitting the side of a mountain and over 300 people killed. Black box told him, pull up, pull up. If you do not have a strong relationship with your Bible, do not have a strong relationship with prayer, do not have a strong relationship with your church, your black box is all caked up. And when you get in a pit, I'm telling you, you're fixing to have a crash like you've never had a crash before. Because your black box will tell you you're right when you're wrong. And it'll tell you you're wrong when you're right. It'll give you cross signals. I don't know about you. I want a conscience void of offenses that when God shuts me up, I might make the right decisions. Seems like it is so unlikely. Paul is writing this from a sewer. Seems more like to me he's writing it from a palace of praise. House of thanksgiving and prayer. I was wondering this morning, that little old situation you're in, that little pit, you done any redecorating lately? maybe change it into a house of praise and thanksgiving and prayer? Have you done it yet? If you hadn't, how come God could make you free right in the middle of that whole thing? Would you stand with me this morning? Father, best I know how, I've said what you told me to say. Probably didn't say it the best, Lord. I surely didn't say it like you could say it. Maybe you'd come right now and say it to the heart. I said it to the ears. But you can make it go to the heart. Lord, as you bring me into situations that I would not choose for myself, I wouldn't get in the line to get in some of these situations. But Lord, I'm a servant. I have no rights. I have no choices. I can't own anything. I can't say that's mine. I'll do with it what I want to. No. Lord, you'll orchestrate some of these situations. Lord, as I get into them, Lord, I don't want to be tied all up, bound all up. Let me know the truth because the truth will make me free Lord I'm interested in being free I know when the, the three Hebrew children got free in their fiery furnace it brought all of the king and his men to look and see as to why they were free even in that pit while our heads are bad our eyes are cold God got you shut up to something this morning Oh, preacher, you just don't have any idea what I'm going through. No, ma'am. No, sir. I don't. But I do know the one that if you look to him, he said he can set you free in the middle of it if he wants to. And if not, he can make you free in the middle of it. More than likely, that will be his choice. I wonder this morning if you're tired Just whining and complaining and just trying your best to get through it. I wonder if it could be you need to do some decorating. Hang some prayer curtains. Throw a Thanksgiving tablecloth on some things. Turn that place into a palace of praise. While we wait a moment or two, this altar's open. Why don't you come this morning and ask God if you could do a little decorating in your pit? Turn it into some things that would be much better for you. The world look in and may be convinced of the genuineness of the fact that you know God. While we wait, the altar's open. You come. Seek him. Call on him while he's near. Call on him while he's near. Some have already come. Gracious. Man, I would have thought there'd been more than three people in a pit. Big old crowd like this. Oh yeah, here they come pit people. I love pit people. My kind of people. In a situation, ain't no doorknobs on their side. Do some decorating. Hang some prayer curtains. Throw a Thanksgiving tablecloth on there. I'm going to sit down and change my thinking. Quit thinking about things around me. Start thinking about things above me. You say, what good will it do, preacher? Well, the world might look in. Somebody might see your genuineness. Oh, bud, they're real. They're real. Man, I want what they got. If it take them through that, I want it. God speaking, God disturbing this morning. Come, seek him. You say, preacher, I'm in the pit of lostness. I'm like Paul. I'm lost. Oh, hon, I know how you can get free this morning. Bow to him. Bow to him. We're trying to work it out your own way. Turning over new leaves, straightening out, straightening up. He said, if I begin a good work in you, I'll perform it till the day of Christ. Bow to him. Let him begin a good work in you. While we wait, come, seek him. He's here. He's here.